Harry and Meghan visit Canada after a full online rebrand, and Prince William attends the BAFTAs. I'm Jack Royston, Newsweek's Chief Royal Correspondent, and this is Newsweek's Royal Report. Hello listeners and welcome to the show. Prince Harry and Meghan have been in Whistler in Canada for an Invictus Games promo event. So this was on Friday. Uh, It's something they do regularly one year before the actual games take place. They will visit the host nation to generate some good publicity and some excitement. And this was a particularly hands-on version of that. So the 2025 games in Whistler in British Columbia um, will be the first to include winter sports. And to really make that point crystal clear, Harry hurtled down down a hill at about 60 miles an hour in a kind of like sled type thing. Uh, He looked a lot like he was experiencing his final moments on planet Earth, to be completely honest about it, but somehow he survived intact, so sighs of relief all round for that. Harry also spoke publicly about King Charles's cancer diagnosis for the first time, so this was an exclusive interview that he did with Good Morning America. He was asked how he heard about his father's diagnosis, and he said, I spoke to him, which we did already knew that they'd had a call, and then he was asked what he did next and said, I jumped on a plane and went to go see him as soon as I could. And he added... Look, I love my family. The fact that I was able to get on a plane and go and see him and spend any time with him, I'm grateful for that. So there you have that reference to spending any time with him is quite interesting, given we know that Harry only spent about half an hour with Charles. So I think it's the right tone and it's the right message. You know, it was short, but it's great to see him at all. Is It's kind of perfect, really. It's positive. It's upbeat. Um, he didn't die. He was actually asked what they spoke about. And he said that's just between him and Charles. Um, so he didn't di- divulge anything we didn't already know. He didn't spill any of Charles's secrets. He didn't start talking about health, which is obviously a very sensitive area. You know, the kind of specifics of the diagnosis or the specifics of the treatment. So, yeah, I mean, he, he, he was spoke warmly about his family, and that is a long way from how he sounded in spring 2022, you know, again at the Invictus Games. That year it was held in The Hague in the Netherlands, and he, was, he did an, another exclusive interview then with NBC with Today, and he told Hoda Kotb that, you know, or she asked him whether he missed Charles and William, and he kind of swerved the question, and he said he was focused on his Invictus Games family, and that his family were two little people, meaning Archie and, and Lilibet. Um, so, you know, that all felt a little bit like a kind of, you know, veiled dig at Charles and William that he wouldn't even go so far as to say that he missed them. Well, what a difference a few years makes here now. It's a whole different ball game, And that feeds into the perception, obviously, that we have a whole new era of Prince Harry where he's being more diplomatic and the hand grenades have been put back in the bag and he's not attacking his family so much. Now, obviously, um, this has... Uh, not necessarily triggered a massive sea change in how Harry's viewed from the other side, from the palace side. Uh, That's not particularly surprising. Charles and William, I'm sure, will view Harry as having persistently betrayed them on multiple occasions over several years, including during times of grief, such as when Philip died or when the Queen died. So obviously they're not going to just completely forget all of that straight away and go from open warfare one minute to innate, implicit trust the next overnight. But none of that means that Harry's olive branch is an error or a mistake or even, I don't think, that he's being humiliated because I think it's been um, quite tempting for 
some voices in the British media to treat it as though you know Harry only seeing Charles for half an hour was a humiliation for Harry but I don't honestly think it is I think this is not a situation that's going to be healed overnight and it's one that is going to require persistence over a long period of time I think he's going to have to pursue this path of reconciliation you know, maybe even for years before the family are even willing to entertain the idea of actually trusting him again and opening up and kind of telling secrets and things like that. They need to see with their own eyes that the things they tell him do not end up on Netflix or in a book or on a podcast. Um, So, I mean, particularly Prince William, I think it's going to take years before he would ever trust Harry again. Uh, They obviously had a conversation after Prince Philip's funeral where they spoke privately. Actually, Charles was part of that too. And it wound up in Harry's book and Harry kind of divulged what William and Charles had shared in the immediate aftermath of Prince Philip's funeral. So, you know, after something like that has happened, it's going to be a long way back to kind of reconciling again. Um, Interestingly, though, it has also triggered a wave of speculation in the British media over whether this could mean not only Harry being welcomed back into the fold on a personal level, but also whether he might be brought back as a working royal presumably kind of part-time. So this is partly in relation to the fact that Charles and Kate have both been taking time away from royal duties to focus on their health, while Prince William has been significantly scaling back his public appearances. He's basically done three spanning two days since early January. Um, So, you know, obviously Harry lobbied hard for this kind of half-in, half-out role back in January 2020 when he first was quitting his role as a working royal and he was rebuffed he was fairly you know promptly rejected um ultimately there are major problems with a royal family member representing the monarchy which is a public institution funded by public money while also earning money in the private sector in america it's just not really possible to pull apart the public role and isolate it from the profit-making enterprises. He would always be vulnerable to the allegation that he was using the public role to catalyze his business opportunities in America. Also, he would then have to be heavily restricted by the royal rule book again. You know, we've got a presidential election coming up in November, and who's to say Harry and Meghan won't want to get involved again in 2024 in the same way they did in 2020? After all, at that time... Megan spoke for a Michelle Obama-backed initiative called When We All Vote. I think it was a part of it called When All Women Vote that was specifically targeting women. And she called for the change we all need and deserve. So obviously, Trump was president at the time. None of us are stupid. We all know what change means in the context of an election between a sitting Republican president who we knew Meghan hated versus a Democrat who was trying to oust him. The uh, When We All Vote uh, initiative is kind of presented as as politically neutral, but obviously it's kind of not. I mean, it's an Obama initiative. Obviously, they're going to they push for people to go out and vote, but they're obviously going to focus on the demographic demographic groups who tend to vote Democrat. And this particular one was focusing on women of colour. And women of colour, obviously, are going to predominantly vote Democrat. So it would have had the effect of helping the Democrats. Now, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but the royal family don't get involved in elections in other countries. So you have to be separate from the monarchy if you want to do that kind of thing. 
Now, we all know Meghan and Harry are not fans of Trump. They've made that very clear in the past. Um, and Trump is not a fan of Meghan. He's also made that very clear in the past. As things currently stand, Trump could well be heading for the White House again. So let's just play it out what it would actually be like if Harry did start doing royal engagements again. So let's say Charles brings him back and he gets a few under his belt and then he has another one coming up, let's say tomorrow. And then Meghan goes on television in America and encourages people to vote for Biden. What does Charles do? Does he let Harry's royal engagement go ahead and risk the monarchy being dragged into a US presidential election? Like, what if somebody shouts a question at Harry while he's representing the crown about the US presidential election? Does he cancel Harry's royal engagement and let a whole load of people down? If he does that, he'll risk looking like he's you know, exacting a kind of retribution against his son, and that could also exacerbate the rift again, as well as um, making people dislike the monarchy. Because they might, you know, some people might even think it's petty. Um, so that's two very significant obstacles to this kind of half in, half out working situation. One, Harry can't be allowed to trade for profit uh, off the status attached to his public role which is supposed to be for the benefit of the public and not, obviously, his own bank balance. Now, there's no nothing wrong with him pursuing profit in America. He just can't be a public servant at the same time. And number two, what happens if Harry and Meghan breach royal impartiality rules? So it's not workable for me. And the whole point of Harry and Meghan leaving was to find their freedom. It was to be free from the palace staff, you know, palace aides who Harry doesn't like. It was to be free to say whatever they want, whenever they want to handle their own communication so that they can try and, you know, challenge and shoot down the stories that they want to challenge and shoot down without being told no by the people who work for them, by the palace machine or the institution, as Harry liked to call it. You know, if they start doing royal jobs again, they have to give up all of that freedom. And it's not like Harry is about to walk back into Britain to become a full-time working member of the royal family either. Like, I don't think he wants to give up his American life. You know, after all, he was also asked on Good Morning America whether he'd considered becoming a US citizen. And he said, uh, I have considered it, yeah. He said, um, American citizenship is a thought that has crossed my mind, but it isn't something that's a high priority for me right now. So if he's not even ruling out American citizenship, then he's not really about to jump on a plane, move back to Britain permanently and become a full-time working royal. And uh, actually, the question of US citizenship is really interesting and could that alone could cause a stir in Britain because anyone who becomes a US citizen must give the following oath. I hereby declare on oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state or sovereignty of whom or which I have hitherto been a subject or citizen. So in other words, if he wants to become a US citizen, he has to uh, renounce his allegiance to the crown, to the British crown, in order to become a US citizen. So those two things are completely incompatible. You know, he, the idea that he's going to come back and do any royal engagements at all is incompatible with the prospect of him formally renouncing his allegiance to the crown. So what does the king do if he invites Harry to return to frontline royal duties? Everything seems to be going well. And then a year down the line, it emerges that Harry's become a US citizenship, renouncing this allegiance in the process. You know, it'll make the monarchy look a bit ridiculous. The British press will go absolutely you know, bonkers over it. And the whole thing will be a complete mess. So I don't think there's anything wrong with what Harry said. But I think the only plaw... Oh, and sorry, just to add on that, you know, all the... Like the British media will go completely bonkers if Harry renounces that 
allegiance at a time when Charles is battling cancer. So, like I said, I don't think there's anything wrong with Harry saying what he said. Um, but the only plausible conversation right now is around whether Harry rebuilds his personal, private relationship with his family. Um, just a thought on that. You know, a big part of this whole picture that's going to stick in the teeth for William and Kate is the sheer amount of money that Harry and Meghan made through Netflix and Spotify and through his memoir, Spare. You know, it's thought to be... Those are all thought to be multi-million dollar enterprises, which when you put it all together is going to add up to mega amounts of money. So if Harry ever did want to help rebuild that relationship, he could always show good faith by donating a big chunk of that cash to a charity within William and Kate's kind of orbits. So maybe one of the homelessness charities that William works with. There's obviously a Princess Diana connection there. Diana used to, she, she worked to raise awareness of homelessness and she took Harry and William to shelters when they were children to meet people so that they could understand how privileged they were and how lucky they were to live the life they led. Um, so Centerpoint, for example, is a charity that Princess Diana was patron of and that Prince William has taken on that mantle. He's patron now. So Harry could give several million pounds um, or whatever he can come up with to Centerpoint as a kind of demonstration of good faith, like a, an acknowledgement that he said some very hurtful things that also made him mega amounts of money. Um, so just a thought. But that, you know, it wasn't all about Harry's UK family. Harry also spoke about his children. Um, he gave an update on Archie and Lily, and he said the kids are doing great. The kids are growing up like all kids do very, very fast. Um, they've both got an incredible sense of humour, and they make us laugh and keep us grounded every single day, like most kids do. So all in all, it was another successful round of publicity for the Sussexes. So that builds on a good second half to 2023 for them. The first half of 2023 obviously was a bit of a disaster for them in places, if truth be told. But they've been slowly rebuilding in the latter half of the year. And this visit to Canada now kind of continues that trend. It's another round where they've gone out with a good positive message, showing themselves doing good. Obviously, Invictus is all about giving back to wounded forces, veterans. So it's a good cause that people in America obviously are going to like. So if they can stop themselves from throwing any hand grenades at the palace or getting drawn into really kind of toxic, messy, you know, arguments with the British press, kind of hand-to-hand combat in the trenches with the Daily Mail, if they can kind of keep it positive, then, you know, I think there could be Great things for them in 2024. The only other missing piece of the jigsaw puzzle then for me is that they would really benefit from turning around some great shows for Netflix and showing that they have something to offer America that goes beyond their royal role and the royal life that they left behind. But, you know, another good round of publicity for them. So I think they can be happy with that situation. And on that note, I'm going to take a quick break. Please remember to rate and review The Royal Report on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your favourite shows. When I'm back, Harry and Meghan have launched a digital rebrand. BP added more than $70 billion to the US economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California... And starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a 
As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello and welcome back to the show. And it wasn't just Canada for Harry and Meghan. Over the past week, they also rebranded their online presence. Previously, there was the Archwell website. Now, archwell.com redirects to sussex.com. Now, this is interesting because they are basically throwing themselves hook, line and sinker behind the Sussex brand. And it's only kind of four or five years after they briefly launched themselves the Sussex Royal, only to have to junk that name. The Queen back in 2020 ruled that they basically couldn't use the word royal after they quit the palace. So all this money that they put into creating the Sussex Royal brand, which had a kind of charity attached to it as well, all of that money was lost. Well, at least a significant chunk of it was anyway. Um, Obviously, there are perennial calls for them to be stripped of their royal titles, mostly in Britain, but in some quarters in America as well, particularly among Republicans. Uh, There was at one point, there was an actual um, US senator, I believe, who wrote to the British ambassador in Washington calling for them to be stripped of their titles. So right now, the website announced itself as the office of Prince Harry and Meghan, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. So if they were ever stripped of their titles or voluntarily gave them up, at least some rebranding would be necessary. Now, one path they could go down is that they could simply drop the Duke and Duchess bit and rename themselves Harry Sussex and Meghan Sussex, because after all, Meghan probably doesn't really relish the prospect of going back to being a Markle because she hates her father. So, you know, Markle's her father's name. So if she was to drop the Duchess of Sussex, she would have to decide whether to kind of rebrand herself Meghan Ragland after her mother, Doria, or whether to take the Markle name back, even though she doesn't like Thomas very much, or what to actually do. So they could just both be Harry and Meghan Sussex. Um, But would people find that a little bit odd, though? Like, would they sound like serious people if they had these kind of almost, you know, made up names crafted out of titles that had been taken away from them? Or would they look like the kind of naughty school kids trying to find loopholes in the teacher's rule book? Like, obviously, loads of people in the entertainment industry have made up names. You know, there's nothing new in that. But I suppose it's more the fact that we kind of know them via different names. So kind of like suddenly pop up with a surname that comes out of a title that's been taken away from you. Like people, I don't know, I'm I'm kind of in two minds about it. Like part of me actually thinks it's not the worst idea. And another part of me thinks that people would just find it really strange. Um, For what it's worth, though, I don't actually think they will be stripped of their titles because to do so would be very difficult. It would require government legislation and the British government really shouldn't be getting involved in a kind of private family argument. The government should be above that. Um, And also because all the public attention goes on the Duke and Duchess titles, but those are aristocratic titles, not actual royal titles. They only have them because they were gifted them by the Queen at the point of their wedding. Um, So they definitely wouldn't have them if they weren't royal. But they're actually not technically royal titles. The royal titles are Prince Henry and Princess Henry. And yes, you did hear that right. You heard that correctly. Meghan holds the title Princess Henry uh, in her husband's name. Crazy world. Um, So it's very unlikely, but it's not impossible. And if it caused serious problems for them, as in like major branding issues that would cost actual money to fix, then that does also give the royals and the British government greater power over them. Whereas if they ditched the titles, then the critics would no longer be able to use that as a stick to beat them with. 
Um, but I'm also really interested in US attitudes to whether their titles are actually useful in the States or whether it actually comes across as a little bit naff or a little bit twee, like as, as in, you know, particularly after everything they've said, criticizing the monarchy. And it's back to that kind of fundamental underlying contradiction of the Harry and Meghan worldview. You know, they're social progressives who wanted to speak out against unconscious bias and, you know, raise the issue of colonialism in relation to the Commonwealth. And then be on the right side of history, but they're also literally entitled and seemingly pretty pleased about it. And we actually did some polling back in January 2023, in which we asked Americans whether Harry and Meghan should be stripped of their titles, and 45% were in favour, compared to 26% who were opposed. Now, their popularity has significantly improved since then, so the situation might have changed, but... Also, like, even if people don't necessarily think they should be stripped of their titles, like, are the titles actually benefiting them? Are the titles literally helping them? Or are they just kind of a hangover from an era of their lives that they're supposed to have left behind? Needless to say, though, it does feel like it would make much more sense for them to brand themselves in this really strong way around the titles specifically if they were a bit more positive about monarchy. After all, they were given these titles by the Queen when they got married, and it's a wedding which Meghan told Oprah was a spectacle for the world. Um, while they framed the vows, they said at a private ceremony they did a few days earlier in, in their back garden. That was the sort of mini wedding that mattered to them. I mean, it was slightly challenged, the facts of it, but that's what they said. And then, you know, on the question of titles specifically, Megan told Oprah, all the grandeur surrounding this stuff is an attachment that I don't personally have. So, you know, there have been these kind of recurring moments when Harry and Meghan have kind of presented themselves as being above caring about titles. Harry also actually at one point offered to give them up at Sandringham when he was negotiating his way out of palace life. So they're all kind of perpetually sort of <laughs> jumping between being like kind of almost anti-titles and then still very strongly branding themselves around their titles. But then there's another dimension to it all, which is that the orthodox view of the US citizenship question is actually that Harry would have to give up his titles in order to become a US citizen. Now, he didn't tell Good Morning America that he was going to become a US citizen, but he did say that he'd certainly considered it. Which means that if he suddenly did just decide that he wanted to become a US citizen down the road, he might at some point be under pressure in America to give them up. Now, I've spoken to an expert in the subject who says it is a little more complicated than that. And it is possible that he could challenge that aspect of the Constitution or try to get support for keeping his titles from Congress. Um, so I'll be writing about that for Newsweek, so keep an eye out for that story. But needless to say, it's kind of, I guess, an unusual decision to rebrand as Sussex.com so firmly around the titles, if there's a chance you might in the near future become plain old Harry. So like, I guess I'm saying, why box yourself in? Like, There's no need for him to box himself into this kind of Sussex moniker. You know, It, it would give them more freedom to not do that, basically. But whatever the future holds for Harry and Meghan and their titles, they are now at Sussex.com. So if you want to see some pictures of their visit to Canada, you will find some there. Or, of course, you could also check the Newsweek website. Uh, now I'm going to take one more quick break. But before I do, just a reminder to follow me on X or Twitter, as I still call it. Uh, I'm at Jack underscore Royston, and you will find all my latest stories for Newsweek. When I'm back, Prince William hits the red carpets. 
VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Hi everyone and welcome back to the show. Prince William was at the BAFTAs on Sunday. So for those who don't know, the BAFTA Awards are Britain's answer to the Oscars and Prince William is president, so he usually goes, but he usually goes with the Princess of Wales, Kate. Um, She skipped it this year because she is still recovering from abdominal surgery and she will be until at least after Easter. So William flew solo. And he also came a little bit unprepared, which, to be fair, I think he can probably be forgiven for. I can well believe there may have been a time when he actually didn't think he would go at all. But he he did talk when he was there about the fact that he usually gets kind of a chance to watch all of the movies and watch everything before he does it. And so then when he meets people, he can kind of talk to them about the actual film that they starred in. Um, But he kind of admitted this time that he he said to one of the winners, I didn't actually watch your film. (laughs) So he was quite honest about it. But, you know, he still, I think he probably gave it as good as he could. And he's acknowledged very recently, you know, this is actually a a rare sighting of William at the moment. We've seen him on two different days since the beginning of January, basically, since early January. Um, He did two jobs on a Wednesday in a recent week. And on one of those, he said that, you know, everything's had a bit of a medical focus recently. He's really been like kind of in uh, Kate's recovery from abdominal surgery. Uh, Also, the King's cancer diagnosis too. So that obviously has been a massive distraction for him. And hence, he had not done all of his homework. But he, you see, he apologised for the fact that Kate couldn't make it, but he did also say she loves the BAFTAs. He met the BAFTA Rising Star nominees, which included Ao Edebiri, who stars in the excellent cooking show The Bear. Not cooking show as in teaching how to cook, but it's a fictional drama about, you know, for those who haven't seen it, they're trying to rescue a kind of family restaurant and turn it into a kind of very desired restaurant in, in New York. And it's all about the kind of psychodrama and the relationships, but it's brilliant. Uh, but she actually didn't win. Uh, the winner was Maya McKenna-Bruce. Um, and she is the woman who William admitted that he hadn't seen a movie. Um, he said, I've got a lot of films to catch up on. Normally I get quite ahead of the award ceremony. I get to see quite a few of them. I haven't managed to get that many through. So now I've got a good old list today. Uh, so there was also this hilarious photo of William kind of laughing uproariously while Ayo Edabiri and the other nominees uh, look kind of baffled um and you know it's kind of all of them but she in particular is kind of looking more towards the camera and she has quite the expression on her face so that caused a lot of hilarity uh, on social media and i kind of think that um in reality, you know, I try, I watched some video of their meeting and the interactions and you can't see everything that was discussed between them. But it, it was a still image that went viral and it, in the video footage, it actually, there's no real sign of any hostility at any point. So 
I suspect it was one of those moments where the still image kind of strips the moment of the contest, which explains the facial expressions. Um, so I have a sneaking suspicion that actually it might have all been much more straightforward and normal than it looked. But that was uh, one, that was one of the moments that was big on social media. And then there was also a thing about some people were trying to suggest that William earned a bit of a muted response from the crowd when he walked into the auditorium. Um, and they were kind of saying, you know, like, why aren't people cheering and clapping for him? Um, which is, you know, not completely without foundation. There was, you know, definitely in past years, he has had standing ovations and things like that. But I think part of the reason why on this particular BAFTAs he didn't get more reaction when he walked in was because they didn't really create much fanfare around him. So I remember back in the day when I I did the Royal Rotor and, and went to all of these jobs, I was at the BAFTAs in 2018 um, and watched William and Kate arrive. This was the year that there was huge pressure on Kate to wear black for Time's Up, Time's Up being kind of like Me Too. And she didn't do it. She wore olive green instead, a very dark olive green dress. But they decided that she couldn't wear black um, in support of Time's Up. So um, when they walked in, they walked down this flight of stairs in the middle of the auditorium. So they walked all between, you know, all between the rows of seats, basically. Um, And everybody had already been seated. So everybody stood as they walked in. And at first there was a kind of hushed silence. And then as they got to their seats, everybody gave them a big round of applause, a kind of standing ovation. Um, This time, William walked in sort of on the ground floor and everyone was still kind of taking their seats and mingling and, you know, there was no fanfare created around it. So I think that's probably the reason why he didn't turn quite so many heads. I think I would imagine that he didn't want to be the centre of attention on this occasion and therefore there wasn't a kind of William arrival moment built into the schedule. You know, I'm sure if they had done it the way they've done it on previous occasions, he could have generated applause and so on, especially given the background of the royal health uh, situation, you know, both Kate and Charles. Like, I don't think that the celebrities who, far from anything else, all have their reputations to defend um, would sit there and kind of blank a guy whose wife is recovering from surgery and whose father is battling cancer. Um, I just don't, yeah, I don't think that they would do that. I just literally think that you can kind of see in the video of him arriving that a lot of people just literally don't know he's there because no attention has been drawn to it. But, you know, it was honestly good to see him out. It's been and is going to continue to be quite a slow period for the royals. You know, Charles is, we don't really have any idea when he might go back to royal duties because he's obviously got to focus on his health. That's really important. It's probably most important for him. But Kate, too, is recovering from clearly, we don't know exactly what the nature of her abdominal surgery was, but it was clearly a major medical intervention. And um, she had a long time in hospital as well as a long time recovering at home. So, yeah, it's going to be a sparsely populated royal calendar. It's going to be mainly William and Camilla with a couple of bits and pieces from some of the less high-profile royals on the side. And that's it for this week's episode of The Royal Report. Be sure to join me every week when I visit the latest royal headlines, embark on some royal deep dives and riff on all things royal. Until next time, I'm Jack Royston. Thanks for listening, everyone, and a curtsy to you all.